It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Pereno and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. Welcome back to Beyond the Building. This is Debbie Kiever. I'm here with Laura Pereno as we are two months in. Laura, we're finishing up our Planted for Growth series in the months of March and April. And by the time we're listening to this podcast, I will be actually getting my pots ready on my deck. I'm not ready quite yet to go put my credit card at Richardson's to buy our plants for the season, but I'm getting ready. And I have to be honest with you that this review for the last two months has given me the motivation again, the courage um, to make the wise choices so that my plants will grow. In fact, you know, that says something about life. Growing is a decision we make. We have to be really intentional of every choice that we make has an impact on growing. So I'm just putting it out there, everybody, that um, the Kiever plants are going to do their very best to not just survive, but to thrive this year in 2021. And that, I'm just putting my cards on the table, man, that means that I need to be accountable. (laughs) I need to follow through with the very things I've been sharing for two months. Um, But you know what? The outcome is always worth it. It's always worth it. Last week, we had Eunice uh, visit with us, and really, it was it's always fun to be with Eunice anyhow, but to hear her stories about how it's through serving, right, through serving that we really find ourselves growing when we find our place in the church. But today, as we wrap things up, we are looking at this concept that every plant, every single plant, whether it looks amazing and is at a place like Loma Gardens or something that you find in your yard has a purpose. Uh, I loved how we wove the story of the mangrove uh, plant, the tree that with its roots that had purpose, whether it was sheltering small animals from predators or the roots that bring nourishment, the desalinization that takes place. I mean, there was so much. It, it, It all points back to a good, good God who knows exactly what he's doing, the way he's created everything for a purpose. And so as we are jumping into this week's podcast, we are going to be taking it uh, into a really cool story. I cannot wait for you to share the story about Pearl. So hit it, Laura. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I've really enjoyed this uh, two months as well, Debbie. And I'm excited about planting flowers too. It's interesting, even as we think about growth, because I used to have a large backyard where I would grow plants and now I honestly have a patio. That's what I have. And so you have to be creative sometimes with the ways that you're going to grow and how God is going to grow you and look at the places where you are and kind of say, all right, Lord, how do you want to grow me in this new season, in this new place? But I want to start off today with a story that you were just referring to. I was doing a women's Bible study a couple years back and we were using a Priscilla Shire book. I cannot remember which one, but the story of a man named Pearl Fryer was in the book. And I just really, it, it hit my heart. And to think about the concept of growing that we have been talking about for the past uh, few weeks, this is huge. This is kind of the wrap up for all of the purpose behind why we're planted and what God is doing in the planting. But Pearl Fryer is a gentleman who uh, lives in South Carolina. You can look up his story online if you just kind of do a Google search for Pearl Fryer Garden, F-R-Y-A-R. One day when he bought this house, he had this desire in this neighborhood where he had quite a bit of land uh, in this neighborhood. He had a desire to win the Garden of the Month Club. I guess that was a big deal in the neighborhood. He was new and he wanted to win this prize. 
And so he went to the garden center to see, you know, what kind of plants he needed to buy to uh, put them in, to plant them in order to win this prize. And when he got to the garden center, of course, you know how it is when we get to the garden center, Debbie, when you go to Richardson's and you're like, oh, the colors and the plants and they're gorgeous and they're thriving. And, you know, he just wanted them all. And so he looked around at all these beautiful colors and then he looked at the price tag. And I love that you just said credit card coming out for the flowers because, oh, you, know, <laughs> you know, it's going to ring up a bill when you go. Yep. And especially when he wanted to win garden of the month. I mean, filling up a pot takes a lot of money. You can imagine he's looking at these price tags and just thinking this is going to be way too much. So he was leaving the garden center. I'm sure he was discouraged because how's he going to do this? It's just so much money to plant all this land. And um, as he's walking by the, the warehouse in the back or a barn in the back, he just happens to glance back and he sees that behind this warehouse are pots and pots and pots and pots, Deb, like hundreds of pots that have dead broken, dying, withered, uh, flowerless, thrown away, discarded plants behind the back of the barn. They are not the ones that I purchased. That used to be what the result was, (laughs) but not this year, not this year. That's great. Very funny. Um, So he buys these 300 plants, like 300 plants. And honestly, I can't remember. I'd have to go back to the story to see if they gave them to him or he purchased them for a small amount. But regardless, he takes 300 potted plants. Now, this is a lot of work. He brings them to his land. He doesn't use fertilizers or chemicals. That's pretty funny. I combined those two words there. Uh, And he regrows these plants. He plants them. He does everything organically. And he spends days, weeks, months organizing how these plants are going to be positioned next to each other and how he is going to prune them and cut off the deadheads, just like we've talked about in other episodes here, in order to keep this garden beautiful. Now, the plants that he grew, the plants that he planted, we know just from the story here, these plants were not the best plants. They weren't the plants that had been um, talked to, right? Just like Eunice's video. Nobody played uh-huh. the violin for these plants. <laughs> Nobody spoke these kinds of words over these plants. But Pearl took these discarded plants. He cared for them. He planted them next to each other in beautiful displays, unexpected displays, and we could even say in unique displays, places these plants never expected to end up. And Pearl won the Garden of the Month Club. Now, this is, of course, not shocking because anybody who would go to this much trouble is going to win the Garden of the Month Club. But this is kind of the stuff, you know, that just makes me go, wow. Not only did he win Garden of the Month Club, but 25 years later, which is kind of where we are right now, give or take, um, the Garden joined, uh, the gar- he joined the Garden Conservance- Conservancy, and he is now... His garden has become a tourist attraction. It's actually a destination and and schools take field trips to go walk in his gardens to see what can happen when a master gardener takes broken, hurting, thrown away plants and puts them in position for a purpose. It's also very cool, Deb, and I know we're just going to take this right back to the word of God because that's what we love to do. He calls each plant in his garden a living sculpture, right? It's a testimony to what happens when he, the master gardener, takes what was broken, puts it in the position for a purpose, prunes it, and then gives it a place to bloom. Can we not just shout out that this is a tremendous um, 
parallel to what the what the Holy Spirit has done in our lives Absolutely. when we surrender to the Master Garden Gardener. You know, I go to uh, Longwood Gardens around here, which is just uh, everything's manicured, right? Everything is just in its place and. My goodness, if there's like one little brown leaf, somebody is working and plucks it off. And he does an amazing job there. But, you know, my favorite place to walk through at Longwood Gardens is their big open field where the master gardener really just, he they scatter the seeds there and they just allow everything mm. to just grow. And, and it changes with every season, you know, what it's growing. And there's something beautiful about being yourself and not feeling like you have to be this manicured person, yeah. you know, this man or this woman that's going to look the mold and, and fit in with everybody who's around, you know, around them. There's something about beautiful about that. Uh, not, it's not wild, but it's just, you're being yourself. Yep. Right. But we all start, we all start in a place, a spiritual condition that is broken. Yep. We all start in the same place where, um, the, uh, the lack of a relationship with God shows in our attitudes and the way we see ourselves. We don't have the hope that we need to have. And on all of us at some times in our lives have felt like, you know, we were the ones behind the building where people forgot about us or, you know, we were put outside because we didn't measure up. Mm -hmm. People had wounded us, had hurt us. And when you're out there and all you are surrounded with is other people who also feel that way, Mm -hmm. It's like that uh, island of misfit toys mm -hmm. mentality. Yep. And, and it's hard to, to encourage one another when you're all just back behind the shed. But he goes back there, right? The Heavenly Father goes back there and he points at each one of us and he says, look, I've created you for more than this. You know, there's a person, uh, there's a purpose for what I've created you for. And, and it's, uh, it's the light comes on. You know, it says when we trust our lives and we surrender and say, okay, you can take me and I don't know where you're taking me, but I'm going to trust you that you have a plan. The hope starts to come into our lives and there's healing that begins to take place. There's a change of the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about other people. And it doesn't happen overnight, but it's like those those plants at the, at the hand of that master gardener, they just slowly begin to recover and they are able to uh, bloom and able to step into the purpose that they've actually were created for. It's hard, Laura, when you see other people get picked. You know, you see other people get chosen and and they like whether they ignore you or they look over you or they reject you and pick somebody else. That is a painful place. But he, the master gardener, never rejects us. Amen. He never Amen. tosses us aside and and there's not any broken peace in us that overwhelms him. Yep, that's that right. he doesn't know the answer to. There's there's nothing that was ever done in the dark that he didn't see. And when he brings us into the light, man, we start to see ourselves for who we really are. And he, he plants us in soil of him and our roots, our belief systems go down deep into the word of God, into truth. And at that point, things start getting healthier on the inside to the place where the flowers can then bloom. And people look and they go, aren't you that plant from behind the shed? Aren't you that woman that couldn't leave her house? Yeah. yeah. You know, without feeling like all kinds of anxiety. Wow. Tell me about your master gardener. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all can look back at our stories. And I even think about um, the places where I used to be 
spiritually or emotionally and how I was back behind the shed. And to be honest with you, uh, I, I kind of liked it behind the shed, Debbie. I didn't really want to come out from behind the shed, but God, I, you know, you get in that awkward, unhealthy um, place where you get stuck, right? Because you're comfortable there and, and you don't want to necessarily get brought around the other side and have to do something that's going to create work and, and create, you know, you have to bring things to the front and deal with things. But I am so glad that the Master Gardener saw me back behind the shed in that broken place. And honestly, it was through some challenging circumstances in my life that he called me out from behind that shed and put me in a position to serve him in my local church. And when I served him in my local church, it's amazing how I started to find out where I was to be planted, what it was supposed to look like where I was planted. And I started to feel purpose and I got to the place where I knew what God was calling me to do. And in addition to that, I never wanted to go back behind the barn again, right? Back behind the warehouse again. Once you realize that God has positioned us or given us a purpose to be positioned in the church to serve him, wow, we just start, our eyes are opened up to so many amazing things. And we do start to thrive when we stay where we are supposed to be and we are planted where he's called us. Laura, what an amazing uh, parallel. I think God has just actually given me something fresh. It's not even in our thoughts that we were planning to share today. You are sharing your story about feeling like you were behind the shed, feeling um, like you didn't want to come out, right? Like you were stuck behind there and he rescued you from that place. As as I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about uh, Longwood where I love to go and my favorite place being that really natural, free-growing um, large field, God's saying, I rescued you, Debbie, out of the conservatory part, which was the highly manicured place. Mm. You know, it's, and yes. it's like, and I'm not, I'm not dissing the plants in there, right? They're spectacular, but they are all perfect. And I often, when I walk through there, I joke if, you know, I kind of, not in a, not just like in a sarcastic way. Oh my goodness, there's a broken branch, right? Yes. Like somebody <laughs> needs to tend to this. Right, but that's right. as I'm laughing about that, that was where I was stuck. I was stuck in that place of stay superficial. Don't let anybody see that you have any area of weakness or, or like you were so afraid of failing. I was so afraid of looking foolish. You know what? That in a sense was my shed. Mm, it was yes. a shed that had everything in place. Yes. And, and he rescued me from that place because I was not blooming in that setting. I yeah. wasn't I wasn't free to be the person that he called me to be. I was probably a, a wild nature plant trying to look like a perfectly manicured garden. And I never, I wasn't content. I wasn't happy. I didn't like myself. And I always compared myself to other people and always lost. Mm. You know, so for me, I just, I'm smiling thinking... You and I have so many similar parallels in our lives, and yet this one, your shed looked different than mine. Yeah, that's that's and so true. both of us would not want to go back. That's right. That's right. right. Would not want to go back to where he he pulled us out of. And you know, you think the you think of the inside of the conservatory there, man. It's climate controlled. It's it's exactly what those plants need. It's a perfect setting, and yet for me. I was dying on the inside, mm, yeah. you know, and you're dying on the inside out behind the shed. I'm dying yeah. inside the conservatory. And isn't that neat that the master gardener knows exactly where Absolutely. we are. And yeah. apart from him, we're going to still 
we're still going to be struggling to grow unless we cooperate with him. When we look, we're going to be looking at in the book of Isaiah, uh, which is just full of prophecies that all uh, took place in the time where Israel was really dealing with consequences of their disobedience. There was a lot of bondage that they were going uh, kind of in and out of, you know, for different seasons. They were being made slaves. They would they would have some victory and then they would be set back into exile again. But it is also a book that prophesies that they're going to be restored. They're going to be able to walk into freedom and deliverance and ultimately that they're going to be able to grow. It is a, a book of promises that out of the broken places in your life, God is going to bring something beautiful. And in this passage, he likens his peoples to trees, you know, trees that were purposed to grow, but they were, these Israel had always been the, the people that had been at the back of the shed. So let's pick up in Isaiah 41, 18 to 20. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched grounds into the springs. I will put in the desert the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. I will set junipers in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together, so that people may see and know, may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this, that the Holy One of Israel has created it. Boy, God allowed his people to go back. You know, they were in a time of being broken and hidden. They were at the back of the shed. That nation, uh, the nations are going to look at Israel and say, man, you're worthless. Leave them behind there. And and honestly, what kind of God do you serve anyway? Like, look how he treats you. Just let them die. But God had promises for that nation behind the shed. Absolutely, Debbie. God had promises for them. And I love looking at this passage in Isaiah because look what the master gardener did, Right. He created living sculptures, just like Profriar went to the place that he didn't expect to find these trees, these plants, and brought them out to the light. God fully knew what he was going to find, but he brought the, the people out. He was bringing them out of their bondage, and he was going to plant living sculptures so that they would thrive again, right? God always has a promise to position us where we are going to thrive. But the most amazing thing to me, actually, there's so many amazing things about this passage. But if you look right at the beginning of what you just read, uh, he plants these trees, the beginning trees in the desert. He plants trees in the desert, which to me is just shocking because I would hope, you know, or I would want the story to go that when God was going to restore me, he would plant me in some place that was, you know, full of water. But God makes a promise that in the desert, in the dry place, and we just talked a few weeks ago about the fact that we grow, we thrive because of the challenges that God allows in our lives. He plants us in the desert, but then he also promises in the book of Isaiah that he is going to flood the desert with water, right? There's going to be pools of water all around. And so as he took the trees, Israel being the trees, and he planted them for a purpose in the desert, he just poured the water, what they needed into that dry and broken place. And we can know the same thing about us, that when he is repositioning us, planting us in order for us to be restored and thrive, he is also going to pour that water in so that we will not just survive, but we will thrive. But one of the things that you and I both love to do 
is we love to uh, dig into these words in the Bible. And it didn't uh, go past me, the fact that God did not just say, uh, I'm going to plant some trees, mm-hmm. right? He called out, I'm going to plant cedar and acacia and myrtle and olive trees. And when I see something like that, I'm uh, okay. It's There's not just because <laughs> <exactly. a> <laughs> this is not just because they're like the top four trees in Israel or anything. If you look at each one of these trees, you do a quick study, you will find out that each one of these trees that is planted next to each other in a desert place, now flooded with water, each of these four trees could not be more different than the other. Their needs are different. The way they grow is different. And yet he positions them together. Cedars are listed. Cedars, if you look, they need an abundance of water. They always have to have soil that is moist. In fact, if you're growing new cedar trees, I read that actually you should have a soaker hose always on hand because they need so much water they can't dry out. In fact, it's, you know, sometimes as you've talked about plants, it's easy to overwater trees. We did or, that. Or yep. plants. That's right. That's right. But <laughs> next that. time, maybe you should plant a cedar tree because cedar trees. <laughs> On it's my in, deck. <laughs> <laughs> maybe next to it yeah. for the birds. But um, it's almost impossible to overwater a cedar tree. But then God says, I'm going to put the cedar tree right next to the acacia tree. And if you study the acacia tree out, Deb, like it needs very little water. So now you're in the desert, you're flooding it with water, and you've got one that's going, oh yeah, bring on the water, and the other one's like, I only need a little bit. Well, God knows what we need, and he plants us for a purpose. This is a picture of the church, right? He plants us for a purpose. He pours out the water of his spirit. We feel like we're in a dry and desert place, but we each grow and we get exactly what we need even though we have different needs. If you keep going, of course, you know, it's kind of like the mama bear, baby bear, Goldilocks thing. The myrtle tree needs medium amount of water, of course. And then if you look at olive trees, which is the last one in that lineup, it, you can't really uh, estimate easily what how much water an olive tree needs. You just have to keep your eye on it, right? Like they don't even need pruning until they're 50 years Watch old. Watch out, Laura. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We are both 50 years old, so who knows what's next, right? God could be bringing us into another season of pruning, and and if that is the case, we certainly want to grow. But I just find it so amazing that when God plants us for a purpose in order to be these uh, living sculptures, he doesn't take all of the people who want to be in the the wild area, like you called it, and mm-hmm. and or the real raw area, whatever you want to call it, and just put them together and say, well, I'm just going to give you exactly what you need. He takes the people from the conservatory and the people from the, the wild land, and he takes the people who need a lot of water and a little water and people who don't even get pruned until they're 50 years old. And he plants them all together in the desert, and he pours out his spirit, and it's exactly what each one of us needs. And we thrive just like those plants that Pearl Fryer planted in his garden. Yeah, I think we want to just distinguish between something we shared a number of weeks ago is one of the best ways to grow is to be planted where you will thrive the most. Yep. Right? And we're not we're not discounting that. That is still makes a lot of sense for where you should plug in in ministry, but God will let us be in places that are like a wasteland in order to really um, let our dependency on him to really grow. And I think it's crazy that as a master gardener, he put everybody in one pot. You know, Mm -hmm. he put everybody next to each other. And you would question, are you really a master gardener by doing that? Mm. Because a true master gardener, right, puts plants where they would thrive the most. 
but he he's doing he's speaking about our lives. Yep. You know, he's saying if you have you are presently in the wasteland, you know, in that place, I will do something spectacular in you that's going to be so over the top um impossible so that other people will look and say, "Oh my goodness, look what he rescued." Look how Amen. he worked in her life. Um, so I just want to distinguish that because you do want to get planted yep. in an environment that allows you to grow the best based on, you know, how you've been created, you're wired. But in this passage, he is specifically speaking to a people group who are thrown behind the shed, you know, and he says, I don't care what kind of person, personality or gift set or skill set or anything. I'm finding all of you in this place mm-hmm. and I'm going to, I'm going to meet your needs in that place and pull you out, you know, to be able to bring healing. I mean, there's two other trees. There's the fir tree, which is the easiest. Maybe I should grow, maybe I should grow that one, <laughs> that one in my yard, the fir tree, which is easy. It's a, it's in the pine family. You can plant that in that place and it'll do, it should do fine. You know, it's it, because it's easy to grow. But even in that dry place, the, the fur is not going to thrive. He needs more water than that. But again, God is saying, I can take the fur. I can take the easy to grow one and do something spectacular. And then you got the finicky one. You got the cypress, which is super fickle yep. about it has got to be in the right place for yep. it to grow. And now it's also in a in this barren wasteland of an area. And God's saying, look, I can cause the cypress to become mighty as well. So you know, as, as we come with all different personalities and, and gifts and, and our, you know, the whole package of us, God's saying, every one of you I've found in the wasteland to Amen. begin with, and yeah. I've redeemed you. You know, your that relationship with Jesus pulls you out of that barren place, but he will meet you. Whatever circumstance, whatever your environment is like, he is a big enough God that he knows exactly how much water you need. Right, not too much, not too little, and he will meet those needs and cause you to begin to grow. Amen. You know, Deb, as you were just talking about, you know, sometimes when we read the word, um, there's personal application and then there's application for the body of Christ. And I have to wonder, while definitely this is his personal application right here, right? We are all different trees. We can all be planted in desert seasons and, and God will give us exactly what we need for sure. And we will thrive when we are blooming where we're planted in those dry seasons. Um, this also really could be, and this is just off the top of my head, a, a picture of the body of Christ. Yeah, yeah. Because as we are all planted, honestly, the church in this desert land, right? This wasteland where nothing is going to grow on its own spiritually uh, for God. He puts us all in this position and then he pours out his Holy Spirit. And so is this a picture possibly of all of us together being planted in a dry and weary land and God pours his spirit out on all of us, the church, and we thrive as we all serve in those places that we are planted together. You know, there's, there's a big picture there too that we are all called to be planted together in a place. We know we're in a desert place here in this world, right? Right. And yet his spirit has been poured out and we can thrive and grow together. So as we even think about it, you know, personally, or we think about it as a a, a word for the church or for the body of Christ, regardless of which way we, um, we go with this for the moment, 
there's one purpose for all of this to happen. And if you look at the end of the passage that you read in Isaiah, this, this is what, you know, this is the exciting, like, wow, I love this. Um, what is the purpose? It's so that people may see and know that they may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this, that the Holy One of Israel has created it. Now, I love to play on words and just really quickly, that word for see means have vision. That they may see, that they may have vision, and they may know, no means to learn. But I love this, that they may consider. That word for consider, it doesn't mean just like sit down and think about it. Like, hmm, is this for God's glory or it must be for God's glory? That word for consider in the original language means that it what they're considering would change and transform them. And then understand means to have success. So if we were to read this all over, why are we all planted in these desert places with exactly what we need next to each other by the master gardener positioned for a purpose to serve? It's so that we can have vision and learn so that we would change and be transformed by what we see and learn and so that we will have success, godly spiritual success to show that the hand of God has done this, that the Holy Spirit has created it. Like it's not us at all. It's for us to go in and be transformed and then to have success according to how God has called us and give all the glory back to him. Uh, it's, it's all so that we will be shining right back up to him, Deb. You know, that's really what the whole purpose is all about, about this planting and this serving. It continues on in Isaiah 61, 3. They will be called oaks of righteousness. Yep. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Oh, man. You, you hear about like the mighty oak, right? The mighty oak. You, know, you don't have like the mighty pine tree. It's the mighty yes. oak. Yes, yes. And, and people look up in awe at how huge and how strong. And you ask those questions. I wonder how many you know, how many years it's taken to become this mighty oak. And they're impressed. It's an impressive tree. Mm -hmm. And God is saying, as you allow me to do this in your life and work and you grow in me, people are going to look at you and go, wow, mm. look at uh, her strength. Look at um, how she's walking out the calling that's on her life. And this is that opportunity for you to turn around and go, let me tell you about the one who accomplished yep. this in my life. Yep. You know, especially when you don't forget where you came from. Yep. You know, right. it's it's important when God has done a lot of work and healing in your life that you don't forget. Uh, and because when you forget, you lack, you stop being grateful. Yep. Uh, for where God has brought you from. The, the credit goes to him because left to our own devices, we are still in our shed Right. Or for me, stuck in a conservatory, trying to be perfect and hating, yes. hating life. Yes, yes, yes. So it's all about bringing him glory. Amen. That's right. There's one more thing, Debbie, that uh, we haven't mentioned yet about all these trees, all of these trees that are planted in this desert place, in this wasteland. If you look at them all, they're all evergreen trees, right? We know that evergreen trees don't lose their leaves. Isn't it interesting? In a place where nothing can grow. God puts them and not only plants them, but plants trees that are green all year, that their leaves never wither regardless of the season and whatever they do prospers. Right back to that word succeed that we talked about a couple minutes ago. Isn't it amazing that regardless of the season, these trees, these living 
these living examples that God plants in the desert place, just like Psalm 1. All year long, their leaves never wither and whatever they do prosper. So why is that the case? You know, it's so the world will know it's not about the trees. It's all about him. And so this encourages me, and I know it encourages you too, and I hope that our listeners are encouraged too. Like, we want to be the ones who are planted in places um, where we don't expect to be and having a perspective on it that this place isn't going to take me down, but this is the place where I'm going to bloom regardless of the season. We want to rise up. We want to be planted and serve just like Jesus did We don't want to be afraid to step into something new, right? We want to leave all of the excuses about why we can't be planted here or there. Leave them all behind as we pursue the place that God has for us to be planted. And honestly, it also wants me or makes me want to know more about Pearl Fryer because of what he did. But man, it it points me to Jesus. Like, I want to know the master gardener more because if this is the kind of stuff that he plants He must be a pretty amazing God who cares about every single plant and has an amazing purpose. It always, this kind of stuff makes me go, God, I want to know you more and I want to dig my roots deep into the soil of your love and your peace and your word. I want to be a woman who knows you and follows you with all my heart. You know, when you have these barren wastelands, there's still water. There's still water in a barren wasteland. It's just deep. Mm-hmm. And so the important thing is to put those roots down. We talked about the mangroves roots, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And it's the same thing happens for us. Like God will allow us to go through those dry times uh, in order to put our roots down deep into him. And something beautiful happens when we are really rooted in his, in basically his love. Let's look at Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I mean, just if you put that into a word picture, you know, (laughs) like what does that look like? If we are anchoring ourselves with our roots in his love for us, the more we experience his love, the more there's an inner strength. That there's an understanding that we are not out there on our own. Yep. That he's watching over us. It means that perfect fear, that perfect love casts out fear. You know, you have the courage to try the things that maybe you were afraid of before because you are safely rooted in the fact that he's going to love you whether you succeed at it or you fail. He yep. is still going to love you. And that, that description of how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, the more we start to really believe that intellectually and embrace that emotionally, um, the more we're going to find ourselves uh, becoming stronger on the inside. It's going to be, it's almost like that wilted plant as it taps into that water source through its roots, the 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 stem or the trunk you know it's not, it's not a trunk of a little plant but it just begins to to firm up versus mm-hmm. being wilted and new life starts to bud on the ends of the branches um, it comes it's going to come from the root system and so the same thing for us when we feel like our faith has been shaky we feel like our view of god has been very shaky maybe very skewed because we used to believe that he abandoned us 
behind the shed. We don't like ourselves. We always come up short when we compare ourselves to other people. All of that gets straightened out when we really have an encounter with his with the presence of God and we experience his love. It just it it fixes it. Yep. It sets it based on things that are true and not things that are uh, lies. So I mean that's that's such a good thing just to remember in those those uh, barren times when things are feeling really uh, like it's hard. One day after the other is really really hard. Take the time to really um, dig your roots down. That's your that's your part, right? Putting in the time and putting in the pursuit of the one who loves you. Don't go for superficial expressions of love go for the go for the the master gardener right go for him there is no quick fix on this put your roots down deep and you will find your inner man starts to strengthen again and that's where healing takes place yeah so i I totally agree with you and if you go back to that passage that you just read as we as we kind of wrap here wrap up uh what would it look like really if all of us if all of you know god's people were planted where he has purposed us to be planted and then we were flooded with the power of the holy spirit that you just referenced in that passage uh, in ephesians you know can you picture if we're all planted and serving in the places that we are called to serve filled with the power of the holy spirit what if we all got connected what if we all stood next to each other in the church and we all were empowered by the spirit and we all did what we were called to do. You know, I think that this world that is full of dry places would start to experience the water of the Holy Spirit, right? The whole the water of God. I think that we would see around the church, right, places that are dry and broken starting to get um, life back in them, starting to get connected. What would our churches look like if we all were planted and positioned where we were supposed to be? Our churches would grow. They might grow numerically, but they would also grow deeper with deeper roots um, into the word of God and into the God's call as he grows his kingdom here. What would our communities look like? You know, if we were all planted where we were supposed to be, what if we served our communities? What would our communities look like if all of us in the church took our place where we're supposed to be positioned and we served the way Jesus served. Let's take it down even further. What would our families look like? What if the places that were planted in our family, what if we served each other and loved each other and we grew through that? Can you imagine what our families would look like? And really we can take it right down to just ourselves. What would we look like? What do we look like when we are planted where we are supposed to be? The church, our communities, our families and ourselves, we would look like another passage in the Bible references. We would look like a well-watered garden. garden. (laughs) Yep. We would look purposed, confident, we would be blooming and rooted in him. I think really, Deb, this is a perfect way to wrap up this two-week series. That's what we want, right? All that we talked about in March with getting the plants to where they need to be, all that we've talked about in April, talking about how we are to be those plants and continue to thrive. We just want to be a well-watered garden, (laughs) shining the light of Jesus blooming where he has us uh, planted. So I have been encouraged uh, by this uh, two-month series. We hope that you have been too. If you have any questions or comments, and you know, we've talked about this before too, Debbie, if you have plants that you want to post on our uh, Facebook page, you know, go for it. It's Beyond Women's Conference 
on uh, Facebook, and we also do have our website, beyondwomensconference.com. You can reach out to us at uh, beyondwomensconference at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and connect if you have a prayer need or whatever it might be. Let's encourage each other. Let's grow in the places God's put us and find our place to serve. Uh, God has a great purpose for us, and we don't want to uh, we don't want to miss the the place that He has for us. We want to be positioned where we can grow and thrive. So, for Debbie, uh, for myself, we just want to thank you for being a part of this uh, two month series. We're excited to join you again in May with a brand new series, new teaching. Uh, God bless you. Keep uh, blooming where you're, where he has you planted. That's and right. And let's see how God continues to move and grow in all of us. Have a great day and God bless you. Happy growing, everybody. We believe that God will use what was shared to encourage you as you step into the more that he has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember, you were created for more. 